This is Han Solo, and you're listening to Octo Radio, a Star Wars podcast. I don't know. Fly casual. What is going on, everyone? And welcome to a brand new episode of Octo Radio, a Star Wars podcast, continuing our Vision season coverage. Thanks, everybody who tuned in for the previous episode with Julian Chang for The Spy Dancer. We also had the roundtable with Rodrigo Blas. But today we are moving over into another resounding fan favorite. This is our coverage for The Pit. And we are joined today by the director of this incredible Star Wars story, Lucasfilms, Leandre Thomas. Leandre, how are you, my friend? How's it going? I'm doing well. I'm doing great. Uh, thanks for having me. I'm a big fan and um, love love talking about all things Star Wars. Yeah, thanks for coming on the show, man. It's been such a ride, even just in the m- little month and some change since the celebration panel and press conference. Everything that has happened and uh, the way that these catch fire, it's, it feels like no time has passed, but also like so much time has passed. How do you feel now that it's lived in the world for a little bit and you've sort of sent your kid off to school and to say, to interact with people. <laughs> they grow so fast, don't they? Um, <laughs> yeah, I am. Um, well, you mentioned celebration and, and celebration is always one of my favorite times of the year, uh, especially uh, working at Lucasfilm. I've been to six now, mm-hmm. but I've always been kind of either behind the scenes or in the crowd. Just last year in 2022 uh, at Anaheim, I was at the Visions kind of postmortem um, season one recap panel. And then I think I mentioned this on stage this year. Um, a year later, I got to be on stage, um, not in the crowd and uh, being with other filmmakers. It was a very surreal moment watching it and enjoying it with the fans. So it's been an incredible journey. Um, and now that the movie's out, like you mentioned, the response has been really great. Um, Star Wars fans, you never know what you're going to get and what you're going to expect, especially with a, a short like this one, because it is so different. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I think people really appreciate that. I think everyone's kind of, we've seen that there's an appetite for new kinds of Star Star Wars stories. Um, and I think it's necessary. We've been around for a long time now. We're not, we've, there's been so many you know, different stories and not just movies and shows, but how many books are there? How many comics are there? There's theme parks now. There's just so much Star Wars content. And that was important for me to kind of bring something different to the table and kind of come, come full circle with what I think Star Wars has always been about, which is rebellions and, and you know, the stories of rebellions and empires, uh, you know, and oppression and hope and that war. And that, that to me, that's what the Star War is about. Absolutely. And you're short, I think, immediately. I mean, even at Celebration, just with what we saw of it in your presentation before we got to see it in full, I remember talking with a lot of my friends, uh, uh, Chase Hauser, um, That Gay Jedi on YouTube, brought it up a lot of how this particular short feels so timely and feels so about a lot of the unrest that we felt. And so when you back it up to 2022 and you're at that that first panel, are you already sort of thinking about how your real world sort of ideas and feelings and emotions can blend with this? I mean, I know the production lead times are long. Um, so only say what you can, but there's that that idea of, oh, we can say this now, we can do this now. How exciting was it to see it done for the first volume, considering how crazy the world's been? Yeah, yeah. So the first volume was was great. You know, there was so many great stories in that one. And uh, there is a little bit of a connection to that first volume because, um, you know, our studio is based in Japan. And of course, mm-hmm. All of the studios in Volume One were based out of Japan. Um, of course, uh, anime being the the medium, so uh, we have a little bit of a connective tissue with with that, um, and we kind of we're kind of the bridge between Volume One and Volume Two in that sense. Um, but our style is very different, very kind of West meets East. 
Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I think when I was sitting in the crowd um, at the time, I think it's no secret. It takes a long time to make these productions. Animation takes a very long time. So we were already kind of in the, in the middle of it. Um, so it was kind of fun being in the crowd, uh, knowing that I was directing that movie and kind of sitting amongst the fans. And they showed at the very end of that panel, that map of, of mm-hmm. volume two and all of the different countries that it represents. And I remember sitting next to someone who was saying uh, when they saw the California state illuminate and they're like, California, which, which one is that? I wonder who that is. I'm just sitting there sheepishly like, I'll never tell, you know, <laughs> but um, yeah, it was, it was pretty surreal to kind of um, have that. It's kind of the curse working here is you can't talk about anything. So sure. I kind of had to carry that for a long time, but um, yeah, an incredible journey. But luckily your situation, like you said, it's got a little bit of the East meets West that comes into it being at Lucasfilm and having already worked there for other projects. There is at least thankfully uh, some coworkers that you can tell you're the vision short that was sort of also the in-house contribution. So talk to me a little bit about your journey from working there in other capacities. I believe in the, correct me if I'm wrong, but in the worlds and the fields of asset management and then the production side, I'm working on some of the Disney plus content and then moving over and saying, A, like throwing your hat into the ring, um, but also looking to people that we already know in animation to, to for guidance or for advice or to kick ideas around with. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I've been at Lucasfilm for uh, 12 years now, or almost 12 years. And um, it's, you know, I, I've let you mention my, my, my job there uh, is I'm the manager of all the video assets. So what that means is I'm in charge of everything that the company records and everything that the company finishes video-wise. So that includes obviously all of the movies, all of the shows, um, all the trailers, uh, anything that's been recorded for the movies and shows. So behind the scenes as well. So anything video content related, that's me and my team. And if you uh, add it all up, it actually equals a million minutes worth of content. So believe it or not, there's there's wow. a ton of video footage for a Star million. Wars and Lucasfilm. <laughs> yeah, over a million minutes. Uh, wow. Watch it all nonstop without sleeping. It would take you over two years. So it's a ton, a ton of material. And that was something George always wanted was to record the entire process because he thought, you know, showing how it was done was just as important as doing it. Mm -hmm. He was a big pioneer in that regard. So um, that's kind of my day job um, and uh, being kind of the shepherd of all of the, the video assets. But at the same time, since I've been here this entire time, over a decade, I've been making my own independent films. I've been doing it for since... I was little. I've always made my own movies. I've always wanted to be a director. So um, that opportunity came up where people were looking for some ideas. And I I, I pitched that idea after they approached me. And um, yeah, the the support around that idea was, was huge. People wanted to do it genuinely. And they thought, as you mentioned about timing earlier, that the time was right for a story like that. And um, to the company's credit, they kind of rallied behind it. And they said, you know, we want you to tell the story. And then that's when we reached out to Bayard Stagio and Arthel and his great uh, studio, wanting to support a studio like his, wanting to support support a person like him. When I talked to him, he understood exactly what we were trying to do with this with this movie. Um, and that was really important to me also. So, um, yeah, it's, it's been it's been incredible. And I think um, I think we need more of that. Just people kind of being you know, giving people opportunities and, and chances because we need more. Um, we need diverse um, perspectives. Mm-hmm. And I think that's how we can get different stories instead of just seeing and hearing the same stories over and over. We need different people to, to, to chime in. And when it comes to actually generating the story and you're thinking about ideas, this is a story that covers immediately. I think one of the first things that the viewer reacts to um, is the amount of time and sort of the the amount of 
Not that you feel grim by the end of it, but there's a lot of suffering. There's a lot of pain. And that's all sort of front loaded as we see sort of the progression of this. That's that's something that I feel like conceptually could be, wow, this is too big for a short. You know, how, how do I get this down? What was it like to actually sit and rein in the idea, just you and, and your keyboard, and to say, I want to tell a story of of years of pain sort of crystallizing here now at the end, no pun intended, I guess, because it is very much so ends on that crystal. But to talk about how the short is at the peak of this moment is at the breaking point for an entire people. Yeah, yeah. I think um, that, you know, when I had the idea originally, uh, I, I, I thought it'd be great for the Star Wars universe, but I would have probably still tried to make the movie if Lucasfilm would have said no. So I, I just thought the the symbolism and the the allegory was really really important to me. I felt really strongly about it. So uh, of course it wouldn't have reached the audience that it would have reached the the best case scenarios for it to be a Star Wars movie. Um, so I'm so glad it worked out that way. But I felt so strongly that I probably would have tried to make it anyway. Um, with that said, the reason why it fits so well with Star Wars is because all of the bones are already there, right? We already have an empire. We already have the stories of of oppression and hope. Mm -hmm. um, it wasn't something that was forced into the Star Wars universe. It kind of fit really well. And it, we just hadn't told that particular story that connected with that kind of uh, current event yet. Not even a current event. It's a ongoing historic event that's been happening for yeah. for for eternity. So, um, you know, there's, there's a lot of pieces in Star Wars that have already been in place that have told similar stories. I mean, how many pits do we see in Star Wars? You can argue that the darkest time in the Skywalker saga is when Luke Skywalker finds out who his father is. What mm -hmm. happens immediately after that? He falls into kind of this bottomless pit. I know it's not exactly a pit, but you know it has it has the visual of a pit, mm -hmm. um, and we see that all the time. And uh, we see, um, you know, we call them prisoners in this movie, but we see slavery all the time in Star Wars. Episode one, Anakin Skywalker, he's a slave. Right, that we we see the spice mines, we see um, slaves there. So that wasn't forced either. As harsh and as and as heavy as that um, kind of theme is, that's in the universe also. So um, we we have this huge, incredible, you know, science fantasy sandbox, and there's just a lot of opportunities to to tell stories that can connect to people in, in just different ways. How important was it to you? to tell the story of a protagonist that doesn't get to see the end of their effort. Because there's a lot, I think, of of talk that has that has happened historically, societally, you know, even even uh, Star Wars' own John Boyega has talked about that, that sometimes people are the people that open the door and they have to take the hit for whatever that's going to be. And they don't get to see the actual um, sort of fruits of that. I thought that that was really striking again, because it is a short format. You we're only we're sitting down for less than 20 minutes if we're just watching this one. But you feel like the, the breadth of what he of what that saying is so vast where when it was over, I thought feels so hopeful, but it's also so bittersweet. I can imagine that that's a kind of a grim thing to throw out. They're kind of a maybe a dicey idea. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, and I'm assuming you're talking about the character Crux. Yes, and, Crux. And kind of spoiler alert, you know, he, he does get thrown back into the pit and he gets killed. Um, there, there was a lot that went into that. And, you know, that was something, you know, I, I thought about heavily. You know, it doesn't particularly excite me or thrill me to make stories this harsh or to, to remind people of some of the horrible things in the world. But going back to 2020, like we talked about, you know, during that year, something just ignited in me. And I really wanted to kind of, you know, remind people about how generational, not just the problems that were happening that year, but everything, you know, involving certain communities and not just in the United States, but in countries all over the world, history and how the ramifications of history 
can have such a strong impact on, on you know, the present. So um, I think the story needed a consequence, right? And unfortunately, the, the person who felt that consequence was Crux. You know, he was thrown back in and killed. And it's not only a reminder of what happens every day in this country, it's a reminder that, um, you know, how graphic and, and, and deadly and, and serious this is to a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Um, it's something that's impacted me. I personally have known people who have been, you know, killed in, in situations like this. So it was something that I wanted to kind of uh, have people relate to and have mm-hmm. people kind of see themselves in that shoes in a way um, and uh, have just offer a different perspective. What am I bringing to the table in this great grand Star Wars universe? I wanted to bring something that was from my background, but also that lent to the story and the universe you know, very well. And I think that's what we tried to do. And then um, David Diggs, I think a lot of people, you know, um, you know, he's, he's such a great multi-talented actor. There's very little dialogue in this movie, but the dialogue that is there, the actors that we have really made the most of it. And I think mm-hmm. him doing such a great job really captured, captivated people and they kind of felt for for him. And then that just made the death even more hard to, to watch and, and hear. So um I think all of those things were in play with with that decision. I agree with you very strongly about David. By the way, I mean, hey, he's David Diggs. I mean, you say that you said that at Star Wars Celebration, and immediately it's like the room gets excited because we we know him. He's he's been in Star Wars before in Resistance, um, of course, and and Hamilton, now Little Mermaid. Just it goes on and on and on. But you're right. I mean, his his moments of Crux pleading in the city, pleading for for help and for sanctuary and respite, and just for an ally, just looking for somebody that will care, um, to shake yeah. people out of apathy. I think was really strong and when crux which by the way just in the great star wars tradition of names that are very like yeah his name's crux he's the crux of this entire movement like right. just like darth maul what does maul mean in latin bad like yeah <laughs> um, like I, I love that and um there's also eureka is, is a name in, in this one yeah and uh, voiced by, of course, the, the great Nikononi Rose, which is another uh, incredible pull. I loved the boldness of it because it was it forced us to, to think about the times. And if similar to what Andor did, where yeah. there are moments in Andor where, you know, of course, it'd be great if if a rebel hero showed up at that moment, but they're, they're not always going to. And yeah. um, like with the prison that no one finds out about it. They have to say we have to tell people. And yeah. and here when crux gets tossed in there was a part of me that thought well surely surely someone down there is going to be force sensitive or they're going to catch him or they'll they'll do something and then it doesn't and i think it was that moment of oh yeah star wars visions has the bravery (laughs) to be able to do that but still to have that hope i think was really important so another thing i want to ask you about is the the symbolism of the crystal something naturally occurring um something that i think is very george you mentioned george and what's important to him that's something that's in everything from the heaviest stuff like andor all the way to like young jedi adventures is the the idea that the natural world can't be stopped it will always win um we just have to work with it and believe in it and that crystal imagery is what sticks with you at the end and it's become sort of the image i think of of a lot of a lot of the promo images but a lot of the fans have grabbed onto that of it transforming and changing in the colors how did you decide on that and what does that mean to you yeah yeah and and um i agree with everything you just said um wholeheartedly it's um you make some really great points and it's what we were all thinking too so you really hit everything on the head but um the crystal it like you mentioned it embodies a lot of things and um light being inside of of, of something you know not just the crystal but in, in all of us is uh, kind of um something we tried to symbolize as far as you know um, your conscience and and like your um, your instincts 
you know, we talk about the Jedi a lot having this force ability to be able to know when there's a disturbance or when something is wrong, you know, they have this special ability to, to kind of tap into that. But that's something that everyone can do. We wanted to remind people that anyone can do that. We have an instinct naturally to know when something doesn't feel right, when something's mm-hmm. wrong or something feels off. Um, and the question is, what are you going to do about it when that happens? Right. So I think um, that's what we we're trying to connect to a little bit to, to remind people that everyone has that kind of uh, ability inside them. They have that fire or light that they can always tap into. And also just the the themes of light and dark, you know, that, that that's very heavily played in this movie for a, a lot of different reasons and a lot of different ways. We do it literally in, you know, light and dark with them being in the, the pit and this darkness and then, you know, needing light to be seen uh, visually and also, you know, the, the darkness and lightness of what's happening. And, and then the crystal going back to that, um, obviously it embodies that, but with the character Livy, the, the youngest character in, in the movie who kind of rallies everyone to save the day, I think um, it was important for her to be able to do something like that, something inspiring without using any force ability. Mm-hmm. because we, we want to remind people that anyone can do that. Like, like I mentioned, not just Jedi, but at the end, having that kind of cherry on top, hopeful moment, just thinking about a character like that, if she can do that and everything she did in this movie, imagine what kind of a Jedi she could be. Mm-hmm. That was something that we want kind of people to kind of look forward to, or kind of like wonder what that would be like, and just what happens next, you know, and, and the force kind of calling to her in a way, we, we know how kyber crystals work and the journey for, for young Jedis to, to, to kind of find that. And her unique way of getting her own kyber crystal was really special. And, had, and her finding out that she has this ability was also special at the end. So there's a lot of things that that went into the the kind of themes of light and dark and and the crystals um, on their own. So yeah, it's I love talking about it. I could probably fill you know this entire podcast is talking about <laughs> themes of light and dark. No, um, man, I think I... I mentioned this at celebration too. Like like literally the war in the stars to me is light versus dark. Like that's what space mm-hmm. quite literally is. It's a bunch of stars in space and the battle between light and dark. Like that's what it is to me. So um, yeah, I'm, I can nerd out about that for a long time. Oh <laughs> dude. Yeah. You're, you're in the right place. I'd love talking about that stuff. I mean, that's, I think that's very of like our age group too, is, is the being kids of either like special editions to clone wars kids and how uh, heady George and Dave would get with a lot of that and, and their entire team. I mean, thinking about things like force of destiny or, or young Jedi adventures or, you know, visions volume one or tales of the Jedi. I remember Dave saying about baby Ahsoka, like, is she using the force or is she just not afraid or aren't those the same thing? And that mm-hmm. quote was in my head so much throughout this short and a lot of them of it's, is it not what the force proclaims itself to be for one voice to come out of that pit? And for, you know, it, it can't just be one person leading that can get people on the right path. It can get them to go look, but it's not going to get them to actually peer in and and bring their ships down. And I think it was um it was a really, really strong point to end on. And the I think it was Jordan Peele has talked a lot about the five minutes or 15 minutes after a movie and how it, it should make your mind race. Like what do, what in your mind does happen if you if you've even thought about it or are you more thinking because i know rodrigo with sith said he only thought really background that what comes after isn't as much as what he was concerned with but i feel like if you have livy jedi stories man like it's <laughs> it's time yeah no i mean of course I've, I've definitely thought about it i mean as a storyteller i think that's that's natural for for anyone uh like us directors 
but you know, it's it's about you know how you know. I think everyone's just focused on this movie right now and how that how this does. And um, hopefully, we can continue uh, new stories, um, not just in visions, but in, in Star Wars in general. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's there's a lot of ideas and, and stories that have, and I would love to have the opportunity to tell them. But um, yeah, I think um, there's 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 just a lot that um, Star Wars brings that I just would love us to tap into and continue to tap into. This conversation we're having is one that I was I was hoping people would have about this movie in general. The one thing I love about, or one of the things I love about Star Wars, is that it, it challenges us to think deeper. It's mm-hmm. not just a surface level popcorn entertainment movie of course that's what it is in a lot of ways and if that's all you want out of it that's fine but there is this deeper kind of philosophical side to star wars um and you can take it as serious as you want and and dave as you mentioned is someone who loves to do that um he worked on this movie too he was very um he was very present early on in the pre-production in this and he was someone i got to talk to uh, multiple times for this movie um i considered him kind of like a master apprentice relationship with me and, and he was great he was a great resource great resource to lean on especially with animation um being that i hadn't really done a lot of animation before and him coming from animation doing live action with the opposite for me i came from a live action background going into animation mm. so there was a lot we, we talked about with that but yeah um we, i'm hoping people do exactly what we're doing now and just kind of deconstruct um, you know visions and, and the pit specifically and do you think that this experience, you know, do, talking about that transition, obviously you're you're leading a huge team here. It's collaborative in and of itself. I mean, you're working with a studio that's overseas, you're working with people in the office. How has that changed you as just a, a team player in general, but also specifically as a creative on the other side of this experience? Um, are there things that you take back into indie film or are there things that you even take into, into your day job as well? Yeah, uh, I think all of the above. Um, the, I think after every project or every movie that any filmmaker or artist does uh, after a project, you learn a little bit about yourself. And I definitely learned a lot about myself. Um, uh, it was a great um, opportunity and you know boost of confidence for me to be able to to work at this at this stage and this level. It was great to work with Arthel and De Stagio and, and their talented team, and to work like you mentioned with someone overseas, not just overseas, but in Japan. So like mm-hmm. on the opposite side of the the earth. So uh, that was really great. And just knowing, you know, what we're all capable of. And, and you know, it, I had a very surreal moment on May 4th when I was sitting watching this on my couch with my partner. That was the same place where I had the idea for the for that for the movie. Oh, wow. I turned to her and said, that, you know, it felt like we were in this pit in 2020 um, yelling for help and everyone on the surface couldn't hear us because we were so pushed so far down below. And I took a shower later that day and I came running out of the shower and frantically to her and said, is that the idea? Is that the idea? She said, I don't know what you're talking about. You're just screaming at me. But um, <laughs> but it was surreal to sit on that same couch in that same spot and then watch that actual idea play on Disney+. You know? yeah. So it was it, the whole thing has just been... Um, you know, something you dream of your entire life as a, as a young person growing up and wanting to, to be a filmmaker like me. And then to actually see it come to fruition was was um, was great. Yeah, you can't put it in words, really. Yeah, it's a really, really cool thing, man. I mean, it's like the, the people that can say they directed Star Wars. It's very, very, very tiny and exclusive, uh, you know, yeah. to get your name in, in the blue font in that in that classic yeah. thing. Um, that blue font, yeah, I pretty much cried when I saw that for the first time. Oh, yeah. that's fantastic! That's so cool, man. And you know, as we're as we're starting to wind down here, I mean, we could again, we could pick each other's brains about about force lore forever. But in terms of 
having come out and told the story that you wanted to tell from the couch moment all the way to the next couch moment for you personally, whether it's what you do or whether it's what somebody else does, because, you know, obviously you're there, you're, you're, you're privy to a lot of things that we can't discuss here. And then, you know, I'm sure in a couple of years, we'll talk about something else. What, what are you excited for Star Wars to say next that you feel it hasn't said, or, or that you feel it's, it's going to say, and that could be in something that you that we know is coming um, or it's something that you just hope gets made? Yeah, that's a good question. I think, I think it's important for, um, you know, Lucasfilm and every, you know, studio, particularly the major studios to continue to have their ear to the ground and to listen of, of the current climate and what's happening and not be afraid to take those risks um, and to, you know, tell stories that, you know, people long for and not be afraid to, to do that. You know, George was a risk taker. You know, that's what he was time and time after again. And um, as long as we continue to embody that spirit and to take risks and not be afraid to tell stories um, is, is all that matters. I mean, that's the most important thing to me. It's, it's, it's more important to, to tell the stories that we actually want to, t- to tell and not just the stories that we think, you know, are going to be successful, so to speak. So um, I think people appreciate that. I think audiences respect that. And I think um, that's what that's what people need. You know, there's I think there's a great quote by Toni Morrison who said, and um, I'm paraphrasing a little bit, but I think she said, um, "In times of darkness, that's when we need artists the most." Mm-hmm. And that's kind of that's kind of why. So we need to remember that we have this incredible amplifier and this incredible voice as a company, and that we need to continue to make sure people are seen. Yeah, and and you said that, and it immediately made me think of the 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 actual mural stinger um that yeah. happens with this one which i think is i think there's a relationship there between this one and, and spy dancer like art endures art will always endure um everything that we're going through and for that to be what we were left on i thought was a, a really really cool note and a reminder for everybody to not skip the credits uh actually yeah. you know <laughs> learn some names and and learn about some different jobs and and maybe you'll get a little treat at the end so uh man this yeah. has been so much fun one Thank of these you. days we'll, we'll have to do it again uh why don't you let everybody know not only where they can find you but where they can check out some of your other work um and uh, anything else that you want to plug feel free yeah yeah and, and thanks for saying that I, I think um you can find me um on, on instagram and twitter i'm uh, at leandre on instagram and at leandre thomas on twitter i have a website leandrethomas.com and that's where you can see all my my other work and uh what i'm working on next so stay tuned more to come perfect thanks so much man you could hit me up personally at that alden diaz t-h-a-t-a-l-d-e-n-d-i-a-z twitter instagram tiktok hive all those places find me also with the podcast octo radio a-h-c-h-t-o radio i run all those accounts that's also on all your podcast platforms if you're on uh, apple Podcasts or spotify leave ratings leave reviews it does help um as we you know try to grow the show and get more people listening and find more people that want to have these kinds of conversations you can also find me on cash i talk with ken knapsack talking about fantasy worlds like house of the dragon game of thrones and all the ice and fire stuff tolkien the lord of the rings rings of power willow that's all cast jelly talk uh, on all your podcast platforms and youtube but for right now we will catch you next time right here on octo radio punch it chewy